to Chris and Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill episode number 143 when we go back, back to the, to the past. past and read some comics from the yesteryear of publishing. You can find us every Sunday on chrisandreggie.com or subscribe to us via iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and by eavesdropping on the personal conversations of your elderly neighbor. Ooh. <laughs> We've got a scandalous. very, yeah. a very scandalous story for uh, today's episode, Chris. What are we going to read here? Well, we're going to be looking at something a little different for us. We're going to be going into the newspapers, and we're going to be looking at an extended run of Mary Worth comic strips. And uh, there's a certain saga that we're going to be reading, but uh, we'll we'll let it all play out as we go along here. Now, these strips appeared from July through October 2006 in all of your finer newspapers, uh, written by Karen Moy, with art by Joe Gaella, and syndicated by King Features Syndicate. Oh, the big boys of the mm-hmm. syndication game. Definitely today, I think they're one of the last uh, guys standing. The one, last one standing, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but first, we want to talk about the person that created Ms. Worth, and that would be Martha Orr. Uh, not really a whole lot about Martha on the World Wide Web. She was born around 1909 in Hilliard, Washington, the third of six children. Her father was a lumber broker. Mm-hmm. She has an uncle by the name of Carrie Orr, who was an editorial the Chicago Tribune. She helped her initially shop this strip around. He even went so far as to bring her to live with him in Chicago and even paid her way through the Art Institute. Uh, Though while he sold it around, he allegedly met with more than a bit of difficulty sealing this deal. Uh, It turned out that Publishers Syndicate would take a chance, and uh, believe it or not, circulation quickly grew on this idea. Martha would retire from the comics in 1939 when she decided to start a family. Most agree that Apple Mary owes more than a little bit to Frank Capra's 1933 dramedy, Lady for a Day, which features a fruit vendor called Apple Annie, played by Mae Robinson, who would get involved in the lives of her patrons. Martha Orr would pass away on July 27th, 2001, at the age of 92. Yes, uh, yeah, because it wasn't initially called Mary Worth. It was actually called Apple Mary, but we'll get all into all that. Well, we'll, we, uh, we'll see that there's a little uh, controversy with that as well. There sure is. Uh, we're also going to jump over to meet Alan Saunders, who has nothing to do with the story we're going to read today, but he is the one who launched the Mary Worth strip as we know it. Uh, Mary Worth's family is what it was initially called. His full name, John Alan Saunders. He was born April 24th, 1899 in Lebanon, Indiana. He graduated from Wabash College in Crawfordsville, Indiana, in 1920, just like Max Wright, who played Willie Tanner on Elf. Wow. Hey, Willie. Goodness. Yeah. <laughs> it's a luminary uh, alumnus. Yeah, really. Uh, now, he, uh, this is uh, Alan Saunders, and friend Elmer Wagen proposed a strip to publish a syndicate called The Great Gusto. This would feature a Native American character, and it would, uh, they would, it would get picked up, but it would become Big Chief Wahoo, which would eventually become Chief Wahoo and Steve Roper, which would become Steve Roper and Chief Wahoo. Then it would become just Steve Roper. And then finally, Steve Roper and Mike Nomad. 
what is this, a British comic? <laughs> right? Can you imagine cataloging this? <laughs> really? What the hell? <laughs> uh, in 1939, he was asked to take over for Martha Orr on Apple Mary, which... When the name, which is when the name was changed to Mary Worth's family. Uh, yeah, and in 1957, he was quoted by Reader's Digest as having said, Life is what happens to us while we're making other plans, which is a line that's usually mistakenly attributed to John Lennon. I thought it was, you know, until yeah. I read this. Uh, he would retire from the funnies in 1979 after years of lowering his output. Uh, Steve Roper and Mary Worth. That is to say, the strip Steve Roper and the strip Mary Worth. This wasn't yet another name change. Uh, it would be handled, uh, handed over to John Allen's son, John. Yeah. And he received an Inkpot Award in 1981. He wrote an autobiography which appeared across several issues of Nemo, the classic comics library magazine, which was published by Fantagraphics. And he passed away on January 28, 1986. Mm-hmm. Now, do a little bit of table setting here, a little bit of Mary Worth 101. Now, the strip that uh, we know as Mary Worth launched in 1938. However, that isn't the first time the character Mary would appear in the funny pages. Or in comic books, Mary would appear in Eastern Colors' famous funnies in 1936. Yeah, she, pre- she actually beats Superman, you know? That's right, yeah. <laughs> now, uh, though, King Features denies that there's any connection between it and Apple Mary. So they think this is two different things, but we'll get to that. Mm. Now, Apple Mary turned out to be a Depression-era strip, uh, wherein our titular Mary was forced to sell apples on the street. King Features says... Contrary to popular belief. Popular? I mean, this is this is freaking Mary Worth. You know, how popular is it going to get? <laughs> now, contrary to popular belief, Mary Worth is not a continuation of the Depression-era favorite Apple Mary. The strip was created as a replacement feature offered in newspapers when Martha Orr, who created the dowdy Apple peddler, retired. The only thing the new title character had in common with her predecessor was a first name. And a last name and a look at a bunch of cast members. Also, Alan Sonberg says it was a continuation, but whatever you say, King Features Syndicate. Uh, back to Apple Mary. Yes. Initially, Mary Ella Johnson Worth was something of a socialite. She seemed to be immune to the effects of the Great Depression. This would all change after her husband and daughter-in-law were killed in an accident. She had a son named Slim, who was kind of a goofball and had run off to be somewhere else. Uh, Now, you see, oil was found on Worth's land, and a business associate of her husband named Old Man Crafty. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a guy you can trust. Right? Right? Totally. I'd I'd sign over anything to him. (laughs) Now, uh, Old Man Crafty decided that he wanted all this Earl for himself, and in order to make that happen, the Worths had to go. Crafty would somehow get his hands on the deed for the house and land and gave the surviving Mary the boot. Mary and six-year-old crutch-dependent grandson, Denny, were forced to live in a ramshackle apartment, which Mary paid for by selling apples, as previously mentioned. Apple Mary would debut on October 29, 1934. Old man Crafty and a crooked councilman named Looter... Oi. <laughs> Another 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 trustworthy fella. Yeah, really. Uh, They were her main foils. Her her son Slim would show up and raise hell every now and then, too. Yeah, Mary would uh, sometimes be seconded by, uh, like, a retired truck driver named Bill Biff, who, uh, you know, would uh, be her muscle when she needed it. A little Uh, 
how, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> now, come 1938, Apple Mary gave way to Mary Worth's family and eventually just became Mary Worth. At this time, Mary would get a bit of a facelift. Uh, I mean, she's still an old biddy, but more kind of with the times, more uh, time-appropriate hairstyle and, and fashion. A little less uh, sag in the chin, a little more sure. fuller lips, you know, all that. Absolutely. Uh, now, she also wouldn't be poor no more, because her dead husband's stocks would rebound along with the market. So, all's good. Right. Uh, her regular cast of Bill Biff and Denny, they'd still show up, but they'd kind of be more in the background. Though around this time, Danny would undergo some medical treatments and not have to rely on his crutches anymore. Seems as soon as he was able to run from Mary, he did. <laughs> Here, Mary would fall in love, would fall in with, of all things, showgirls. Mm -hmm. uh, she become, although I'll tell you, those showgirls a lot older than you think they should be. Uh, he, he becomes, she becomes something of a den mother and advice giver to the gals. Yeah, she even winds up running a uh, boarding house in a town called Boomville. Boomville, huh? Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't bode well for that. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Cyclone does sweep through and destroy the joint, so, uh, yeah. I thought, it would, I thought it would be dynamite, so, all right, that's a little <laughs> better. Uh, during World War II, Mary would volunteer with the Red Cross and would even sell her farm to, to the town of Boomville so they could build more living units for soldiers and defense workers. Oh, and at some point she owned a farm also, we yeah. forgot to mention. <laughs> yeah. uh, she would leave Boomville and travel the United States, never staying in the same place for too long for the next 30-odd years. Yeah. She leaves the aged Bill Biff in the care of grandson Denny and Bill's niece, Sonny. Then, some decade plus later, due to popular demand, Denny comes back to the strip. Again, popular demand, popular is, demand. is a different thing to a lot of people. Uh, yeah. Now, also, Mary would get three weird cousins as co-stars, and uh, their names are Constance, Hildy, and Pandora. <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder if they are, like, you know, are witches? <laughs> under the, yeah, it might be witchy or something. Yeah. Now, Denny and his wife would have a child in 1961, which is to say Denny got married, um, which uh, would actually make Mary Worth a great-grandmother. Uh, suffice it to say, Denny and his family were soon uh, retired from the strip. In the early 1970s, comics' relevance didn't begin and end with Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams' Green, Arrow, Green Lantern, Green Arrow run, the hard-traveling heroes run, as we've talked about before. Our Mary also dealt with social issues, including disabilities, both physical and mental, drug and alcohol abuse, teen pregnancy, and racism. Though... Oddly, in that last one, featured only Latinos. No black characters seemed to show up. So I guess she lived in Southern California or something. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> now, come 1979, Mary would move to Santa Royal, California, where she would become the manager for an apartment complex called the Charterstone, which is where Mary still lives to this very day. Hey. Her, yeah, her cast fills in with uh, mostly busybody neighbors, and uh, she gets a new best friend in the much younger Toby. Uh, come 1993, she would meet Dr. Jeff Corey, with whom she still has on-and-off romantic entanglements. Except for this weird time in 2006 where she becomes the Apple Mary of certain someone's eye. Very good, very good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
2004 saw a crisis of infinite worths where her history was re-envisioned and much of her baggage, you know, Denny, Slim, etc., were just totally jettisoned, which is probably why King Features is so adamant that there's no connectivity between this and that. Uh, Mary is still a widow. Her husband was a wolf of Wall Street named Jack Worth. (laughs) (laughs) Karen Moy was a writer of the Mary during the era of the strips we're going to be talking about today. She graduated from State University of New York at Binghamton with a degree in art. And And that's it. (laughs) That's all we have to say about her. That's Uh, all we could find, yeah. uh, Speaking of art, uh, the art detail was Joe Giella. Uh, he was an artist during this time, born June 27th, 1928. He attended the School of Industrial Art in Manhattan, studied alongside Joe Kubert and Mike Sikowski for the Art Students League, uh, also in Manhattan. His first professional work was a Captain Codfish story that appeared in Punch and Judy Comics number 11. That was June 1946, cover day from Hellman Periodicals. During the Golden Age, Joe found work at Fawcett Comics, inking C.C. Beck's Captain Marvel stories. He would also freelance for Timely Comics in the mid-1940s. Yeah, Stan Lee gave him an assignment inking a Mike Sikowski-drawn story. And uh, I read an interview where uh, where Gaiella tells a story about how he almost had a panic attack after Stan gave him the, the opportunity. Really? But, yeah, he oh. was uh, he didn't he think he thought he bit off more than he could chew. Uh, but this did lead to him getting uh, some gigs assisting on stories starring timely superheroes, which included Captain America, Submariner, and Human Torch. Uh, Gaiella would join the Naval Reserves in 1948. Also in 1948, his pal Frank Giacoa talked him into coming over to DC National Comics because it was a better-paying gig. Working under Julia Schwartz, Gaiella began inking Flash and Green Lantern stories, and he would also ink some Alex Toth westerns around this time. Into the Silver Age, Joe inked Adam Strange, Batman, and Green Lantern stories. For King Features, Gaiella started inking Dan Barry's art on Flash Gordon and inked Cy Barry on The Phantom. In 1991, Bill Ziegler would pass him in in the pencil on Mary Worth, where he remained until 2016. His final Mary Worth strip ran on July 23rd of that year, and he would be succeeded on the strips by June Brigman, who listeners might know as an artist for Marvel's Power Pack, among many others. Brigman still draws Mary Worth to this very day. Which is to say, yes. Mary Worth is still a thing you could find, read, and hopefully enjoy in your daily newspaper. Uh, now, back to Gaiella, he would win an Inkpot Award in 1996, and he was the guest of honor at the 2017 Inkwell Award Ceremony in Heroes Con. Uh, just last year, in 2018, he was entered into the Joe Sinnott Hall of Fame at the Inkwell Awards, and uh, he's still alive and kicking today. Wow. Yeah. That's, a, that's a long career with dealing with a lot of different publishers, many of which we've already talked about in the, yeah. on this show. And it's very rare we get to actually uh, do a bio on someone who is primarily an inker, which That's right. is, is pretty cool. Yeah, That's cool. That is cool. I like that. Uh, so now let's talk about the players of the Mary Worth saga. Uh, Mary Worth herself, I think we've talked enough about her history already, so we'll, yeah. we'll put a pin in that. Yeah, we'll jump over to Toby, also known as Victoria Cameron. I don't know how Toby is short for Victoria, but we'll, we'll let it go. Uh, now, she's the second wife to Dr. Ian Cameron, who we'll meet in a minute. She is much younger than both he and Mary. And uh, when you see them on panel together, you'd almost think she was like a daughter or maybe yes. even a granddaughter to one of them rather Absolutely. than a contemporary. It's weird. 
I, I definitely got that impression looking at some of these strips. Yes. Uh, but, you know, that's that's what it is, you know, May, December. Uh, Dr. Jeff, who is known as Jefferson Corey, widower, former chief of staff at, the metro- at a metropolitan hospital. He's the love interest of Mary, who has repeatedly proposed marriage to her, only to be turned down each time. During this arc, he's away repairing cleft palates in Cambodia, but he's mentioned a few times. Mm-hmm. We have Dr. Ian Cameron. He's an English lit professor with a wicked chin strap beard. I mean, it's, <laughs> it, it, it is scary. Uh, he's also a recovering alcoholic with eyes for younger women, or maybe just one younger woman in Toby. Yeah. Uh, Wilbur Weston, a newspaper columnist responsible, responsible for the Ask Wendy column. He gets like one line of dialogue throughout this entire arc, though he does silently stand around with his arms crossed a few times besides that. So he, he's there, folks. Yeah, he's there, and he is uh, <laughs> he's given us all the backup we need to uh, press yeah. through. Uh, right. Also, we're going to meet Aldo Kelrast, who is going to be the— uh, the main draw of this uh, of this uh, storyline here. Uh, mm-hmm. Do us all a favor though, and do not plug Kelrast into your like any anagram maker or jumble solver because uh, you might wind up spoiling this little story. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and now this is the story, the saga of Aldo Kelrast, and it uh, started on July second, two thousand six. And uh, it started with a couple of strips from July 2nd to July 4th, which is kind of a prologue. We have Mary and her sort of kind of main squeeze, Dr. Jeff. They're uh, dancing in her apartment, bidding each other farewell for the summer, because as mentioned, Dr. Jeff is headed out of the country for some volunteer work, which would leave Mary all by her lonesome. Mm. On July 5th, 2006, Mary decides to tend to her garden uh, and is crouched down admiring the roses. Meanwhile, another person simply admires the view. Mm -hmm. On July 6th, the next day, 2006, Mary snipping her rosebush. And that's uh, that's not a euphemism, folks. She accidentally pricks her finger. Neither is that. And uh, she reacts to this by saying, Ow! A stranger in a red polo and jeans uh, wanders into the strip looking a lot like Captain Kangaroo. And we mean a lot. I mean, ridiculous, the bowl haircut and everything. The stranger says, are you all right? Yes, silly me. I was too preoccupied in my thoughts to remember to wear gloves. A pity. Such lovely hands need protection. Yes, uh, such lovely, veiny, octogenarian hands, you know. Mm -hmm. Some people call them liver spots. I call them (laughs) octogenarian. (laughs) <laughs> no, on July 7th. Uh, our mustachioed stranger sidles up to Mary, who is still admiring her flowers. You're Hal Kane's relative, aren't you? Which I gotta say, that's a very natural way to... You ever ask anybody if they're a relative of yeah. somebody? Aren't you the relative of... Are you, are you the relative? The long-lost relative. Oh. Uh, and he says, Aldo Kelrast, at your service. My cousin subletting his apartment to me for the summer. And he thinks to himself, and suddenly the summer is starting to look quite promising. It's... It's not too soon to remind folks that Mary Worth is like a hundred years old, right? Hey, we've all got our fetishes, Chris. Like I say, <laughs> there's such a thing as May, December, or in this case, May 1900, December 2000 uh, <laughs> romance. Uh, 
But anyway, and on July 8, 2006, Aldo and Mary exchange names. After Mary refers to our new friend as Mr. Kellerast, he gets the old, she gets the old, call me Aldo. He's hopeful that the two will become really good friends. Mm-hmm. July 9th is a big Sunday strip, and it has a subtitle that reads, Mary makes the acquaintance of Aldo Kellerast. You said you forgot your gardening gloves. Because your thoughts were elsewhere? Mary explains that her dear friend Dr. Jeff has just left the country on a Doctors Without Borders sort of thing, and uh, that she misses him something fierce already. But enough about my life, Mr. Kelrest. Please, call me Aldo. And uh, Mary seductively uh, crosses her arms. Mm. Aldo, you said your cousin Hal is subletting his place to you for the summer. So, are you here for business or pleasure? Pleasure, actually. I needed a change of scenery. And then he thinks to himself, and so far, I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. Ay, ay, ay. Okay, July 10th, in which Aldo continues feeding Mary some wonderful sweet talk. (laughs) I can't help but think you look like a beautiful painting surrounded by these blooms. Why, thank you. Roses are one of my favorite flowers. I mean, one of? Really? Is she not going to, like, tell us the rest? Is she going to leave us hanging? We need, like, a top ten at least, right? At least. I am not surprised. Roses represent perfection in the flower kingdom. I don't know about all that, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) there is a perfume called Rose Perfection by Robert Piquette, Piquette you can get online. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, inspired by this strip, I assume. It's got to be. Sure. Aldo thinks to himself, and perfection recognizes its own. What does that even mean? I have no idea. <laughs> Mary puts her hand in Aldo's shoulder and steps in before asking, Are you a fan of flora and fauna in general, Mr. Cat? I mean, Aldo? Mary Worth asking the important and very natural sounding questions. Uh, I usually ask, "What what is your favorite flora and fauna?" But it, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, maybe this is Mary's attempt at flirting. I mean, it's, it's, I she she might have just been taken in by those four chest hairs that keep peeking out at Aldo's polo shirt. Well, you, when you don't do the top two buttons, you're gonna something's gonna escape, you mm-hmm. know. Not really. My late wife was the plant enthusiast. Well, that's flora covered, I guess. Uh, But then... He points directly at Mary, and Aldo says, In fact, you remind me of her a great deal. Dun, dun, dun! And then on July 12, 2006, in which Aldo projects aloud... I remind you of your late wife? In what way? And come on, Mary, you, you you don't really want to pursue this conversation, do you? This is where you say, oh, that's nice. Goodbye now, Mr. Keller. I will yeah. see you later. But no, Aldo says, I can tell that you're a nurturer for she, uh, like she was. It wasn't just her way with plants either. Oh, when I think about her, I feel a pain in my heart. Yeah, you happy ass, man? Come on. Thanks. <laughs> the next day, July 13th, Mary apologizes for stirring up such emotions in Aldo. However, decides to act like a nurturer regardless by giving her new acquaintance some rose clippings. 
You just can't help yourself, can you, Mary? Come on now. Uh-huh. <laughs> on July 14th, Aldo, so touched by Mary's gift of flowers she was probably going to throw away anyway, offers to repay her by taking her out to dinner. Uh, she hems and haws about it and suggests that they go out after Dr. Jeff gets back from repairing cleft palates. Mm-hmm. July 15th, Aldo is just not getting the message. If not dinner, then lunch? What say you, Mary Worth? <laughs> what? What say you, Mary Worth? You know, I I gotta say, when I first saw that, I thought it was an accident, but knowing now <laughs> the way people talk in this trip, that's what say you, my friend? What say you? <laughs> All right. Uh, he wants to take her to a joint called Delicious Pursuits. Uh, we're hoping that's actually just an eatery and nothing more. Yeah, we don't know what's going on in Santa Royale. <laughs> uh, July 16th, Aldo clutches the rose clippings that Mary gave to him. Uh, he's clearly taking it as a sign of affection, and hell, we, we don't know how old people flirt. It very well might have been. That might, you know, that might have meant something serious, yeah. Yeah. But no, Mary coldly rebuffs his advances. Aldo, I'm flattered by your attention, but it's best if we don't socialize too closely. I do declare. <laughs> you leave me. I have the vapors. <laughs> After Mary leaves Aldo alone with his rose, he makes his intentions clear. Well, clearer. It's it's not like we don't know where this is headed. You'll see me around. I guarantee it. Mm. On 717, Mary bids Aldo adieu. Bye, Aldo. Enjoy the Charterstone and Santa Royale. And then Aldo thinks to himself, I may be walking away from you now, Maryworth, but I am not giving up. Mm. So then on some strips from July 18th to July 24th, Mary is dining al fresco with her girlfriend Toby, getting all the hot goss about Santa Royale. Looks like they're sitting in a, at a delicious... Oh God. On some, in some strips from July 18th to July 24, Mary is dining al fresco with her girlfriend, Toby, getting all the hot goss about Santa Royale. Looks like they're sharing a delicious glass of filtered water. Uh, the Brita pitcher is even on the table. <laughs> he seems nice, but I think he was interested in becoming more than friends. Uh, you think? Mm. Toby says, Knowing you, Mary, I can see you politely discouraging Mr. Kelrest. Or maybe sending mixed messages to a clearly unstable individual, one or the other. Yeah. And Mary puts her hands over her heart and says, I must admit, his attentions were flattering. Yep, just like that, Mary. <laughs> he said I reminded him of his late wife. Aldo Kelras said you remind him of his late wife? If I were you, Mary, I'd run fast in the other direction. Why? And then Toby spills the beans on some potential dark secrets being harbored by our Mr. Kelrast. Toby, I don't put much credence into neighborhood gossip. Uh-huh, yeah. Right. But I am curious about our new temporary neighbor. What have you heard? There have been rumors about Aldo Kelrast's late life. There's a mystery surrounding her death. Some are saying her demise was not an accident. Her 
demise. <laughs> so to- Toby's got that same way of uh, same with same way with words that Mary does here. Her they must, demise. They must have gone to the same school. I have a feeling. Yeah, <laughs> they're both part of the same uh, Shakespeare troupe. <laughs> really. <laughs> Mary is shocked. However, instead of drawing regular shock lines, our artists have just whited out the sky around her head, making it look as though she were an angel. Well, probably soon. Uh, not an accident. What do you mean? Let's just say we don't really know Mr. Kelrest, and if I were you, maybe it's better to keep it that way. Well, that solves that. All <laughs> right, that's the end, folks. Oh, wait, sorry, there's a little more. Uh, July 25th. Mary holds up her baseball mitt-like hand, and her previously clear Brita filtered water is now yellow. Maybe that really was a halo in that one panel, and uh, Mary Worth just turned water into wine. Hmm. Wow, she she uh, if anybody could do it, if anybody yeah, could do really. It. <laughs> really, Toby, let's not find Aldo guilty of something he's never been charged with. Okay, but you should know his wife passed away from a household accident, and both of them were home alone at the time. Where is Toby getting all of her information? This doesn't really make, you know, why does she know all this about this She's guy? She's got like an in. I don't understand. I, you know, maybe <laughs> she knows the cousin that that rented the <laughs> The <apartment>. relative. <laughs> uh, um, July 26th of that year, Toby is still harping, but Mary has heard enough. It's best to dispel rumors before they fester into facts. Which I got to say, is said like a true busybody, right? Yeah, really. I mean, yeah. come on. We go ahead to the next day, the 27th of July, and Toby still won't quit. Some rumors are based on fact, Mary. I've heard he and his wife were having problems before her fatal accident. For me, well, that leaves a lot of open-ended questions. And uh, we assume Toby means this leaves a lot of unanswered questions, because open-ended questions are just questions that can't be answered with a yes or no. Questions that you don't have answers to, Toby. See, that's exactly Maryworth understands. Yeah, Mary, the the grammar, the grammar police in, in right. of Santa Royale. Uh, <laughs> July twenty eighth, Mary returns to her apartment after having received a special delivery, and she opens a box and it includes a card which reads, "Dear Mary, I am returning the favor of flowers with more of the same. One good turn deserves another." Aldo Kelrast. I mean, he probably could have just signed it Aldo. How many Aldos could Mary possibly know? I don't know. Maybe it's a very Armenian town. <laughs> it could be. On July 29th of that year, there's a split scene, two panels, and a love that can never be. In the first, Mary looks longingly at a box of roses, an unwelcome gift from her would-be suitor. It was an act of compassion when I gave Aldo rose cuttings the other day. He seemed so grieved over his late wife. Like me, she loved flowers. And in the next, Aldo tucks his hand under his curtains. Not a euphemism. Oh, whoops. (laughs) So he can gaze longingly in the direction of Mary's condo. He says, a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. And, you know, just because we're talking about roses, it... It doesn't give you the right to evoke Shakespeare, pal. I mean, yeah, what is you're okay? It's not even a pun. You're talking about roses, and you're not part of the gang yet. You can't talk like that <laughs> until you get to know everyone a little better. This is true. Uh, July thirtieth was Sunday Fun Day, and Mary does what anyone would do with unwanted gift of roses: puts them in a fancy vase and places them <laughs> on her table. 
Yes, Mary uh, thinks to herself while taking a big ol' sniff with a smile pa- plastered across her, her rubbery mug. She says she thinks to herself, "These are so beautiful flowers from Aldo Kelras as a thank you for the roses I impulsively gave him the other day." Yeah, I mean, she really looks goofy almost she, in this yeah. in this shot right here. She's like she, eh, this weird totally. smile. <laughs> uh, Mary stops arranging the uh, uh, arrangement, and a cold frown takes over her face. One gesture of kindness being repaid with another. That's all there is to it. Mary's brow furrows. He wouldn't be trying to woo me. He knows I'm not interested. Plus, I'm like a hundred. At least. (laughs) Uh, Mary's eyes darken and she says, As for the rumors that Toby repeated, I'll give Aldo the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, that's a good move. What could possibly go wrong right there? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, on July, oh wait, we're still on the same strip, and the strip ends with a peek into Aldo's sublet condo, where he is wear- tightening his bow tie and just looking like a giant nerd. <laughs> uh, Mary's final caption is hopeful that she hadn't inadvertently let him on. Yeah, right. <laughs> July, oh, I do hope I haven't. <laughs> uh, July 31st, 2006, Mary returns home from a trip to the grocery store, and she is mighty pleased with herself. Let's see. I got the fruit, cinnamon, flour. Yes, everything for my special apple cake. I wonder if that fruit she mentioned was, in fact, apples. Mm, I wonder what if that maybe something else makes it more special. I it's just a name of the cake. It's actually made with rhubarb. Yes. Uh, so uh, Mary slams the trunk of her car, revealing a cross-armed and bow-tied uh, Aldo friggin' Kelrast. And Mary does, like, her best Howard the Duck impression. Yeah. She goes, <laughs> Hello. On uh, August 1st to August 2nd, a couple of strips, Aldo begins this off by helping Mary. Oh, yeah, Aldo offers to help Mary with her bags, not unlike a knight in shining armor. You need help with that, Mary? Looks like you need a knight in shining armor. Good thing I am here. Yeah, we weren't kidding about that. He, a literally a knight in shining armor. Yeah. Uh, on August 3rd, Aldo asked Mary if she brought him anything. After all, it's her turn, whatever that means. Oh, well, <laughs> I think we're about to find out. What do you mean it's my turn? The last time I got you flowers. Now, what did you get for me? Is this a joke? Ha-ha, <laughs> yes, a little levity never hurt anyone. Yeah, that's smooth, right? Right, yeah, really yeah. covered that one. You, you, she, she didn't catch on a bit. <laughs> uh, now, August 4th through 5th, Aldo just won't give up. He follows Mary from her car into the complex. You missed a great lunch at Delicious Pursuits. They make a mean sandwich there. Yeah, I hear it mocks you as you eat it. Uh, <laughs> it might have just been the other patrons making fun of his bow tie, bowl haircut, and mustache. I would have enjoyed it even more if you joined me. There is still time to do that. Dude, how many sandwiches do you need? I would I mean, think you'd be over for today, at least, right? So. No more, yeah. Yeah, really. As I said before, Aldo, maybe we can do lunch when my friend returns from overseas. How about... You just say no, Mary. You know, is no allowed? Let me talk about your mixed messages here. Mm-hmm. Aldo says, we can share a meal before his return. Mary enters and closes the door behind her, leaving Aldo outside. Is he the jailer's type? 
He doesn't have to find out. I won't tell if you won't. No, thanks, Aldo. I'm sorry. When she tries to show compassion, she comes across cold. And when she tries to act cold, she sounds compassionate. You know what I say to that, Chris? (laughs) Women. (laughs) Am I right? Hey, hey, come on, fellas. And women. You can join into that, too. Sure. (laughs) On August 6th, Mary returns to her apartment, condo, whatever, and dramatically leans against her front door. It's almost as though she's been overcome by the vapors. Or maybe that's just a hot flash. Oh, Mary, Mary's way past that point in her life. Uh, it's a, a skeletal hot flash? I don't know. <laughs> it might be. <laughs> the marrow is heating up. Yeah. Uh, as she's leant against the door, she goes, Woo! She's in such a state of befrazzlement that some of her groceries hit the floor. Oh, man, I hope the special apple cake wasn't jeopardized. We'll see. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> those rumors which Toby told me must really be getting to me. After composing herself and probably picking up a few dented cans. Cans of apple? Uh, probably. Also some oat brand cereal. You mean oat brand? No, no, like the brand of it is named oat. Huh, okay. Well, Very, very strange, unique cereal, but that's fine. <laughs> Mary says, My encounter with Aldo in the parking lot was startling, to say the least. He just seemed to pop up out of nowhere. And after filing away her box of oat... I'm pretty open-minded. It's true. Mary took a couple of Lombada classes down at the senior center last year. <laughs> yeah, they went 15 minutes without breaking a hip. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't find Aldo's brand of humor amusing at all. Everyone's a critic, but uh, in fairness to Mary, Aldo is a bad joke teller as well. So Never gets to the point. Yeah, That's right. Uh, Mary enters her in-house interrogation room, or at least that's what it looks like by the way the panel is lit. Yeah, it's like it's like she's got like a blinding light on her face, like you know, tell me where you were at, at it, eight it o'clock like, on Friday. It almost looks like an EC horror comic. This panel, like <laughs> <what> happened, <laughs> or, or like uh, the the Dick Tracy team took over. Yeah, exactly. Like weird. <laughs> Mary says, makes me wonder how many times I'll have to say I'm not interested before he gets the point. Uh, maybe try it just one time, Mary. You know, <laughs> just try it the once. Up to this point, you kind of beaten around the bush. Sometimes you just gotta say it. No other way. At least give it a shot here. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, in building B, Aldo menacingly rubs his hands together. Playing hard to get, are we, Mary? This just makes the chase more exciting for me. Yeah, so uh, as a, a little bit of a reminder here, this theoretically ran under, say, Garfield or Family Circus in the yeah. funny pages, right? So... Uh, <laughs> This is getting a little bit dark. Yeah, I heard I heard Billy in the family circle circus was really <laughs> unnerved by this particular This is true. <laughs> uh it's true. It's a good thing that nobody reads this comic, though, I'll tell you what. In on August seventh uh, to August eighth, Mary is fixing dinner. Ah, oh, perfect tuna casserole. I'm a darn good cook if I do say so myself. Quite humble too. Mm-hmm. She's interrupted by the ringing of a phone. I'll give you three guesses who will be on the other end. Hello, Mary. Guess who? Aldo? Is that you? Yes, it's your second favorite gentleman caller. Uh, well, he's not exactly wrong, is he? I mean, there's Dr. Jeff, and then right after him, probably Aldo. That's it. It's gotta be. Uh, but also, how, how in the world did Aldo get Mary's phone number? You know she's unlisted. I bet Toby gave it to him. You know, she's just <laughs> blabbing all over town. 
<laughs> She's always throwing the. Uh, tell me about your dead wife, and I'll give you Mary's phone number. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's how she we, we go to August 9th, and Mary is still on the phone with Aldo. Doesn't she have caller ID? I mean, this did happen in 2006. <laughs> Shouldn't she, like, you know, not answer the phone when her creepy stalker calls? Uh, she, for all we know, she might have one of those phones that only has, like, those giant buttons with the speed yeah. dial emergency services on it. That's true. She might have the, the life alert around her yeah. neck and everything. <laughs> I was wondering if you had, had dinner plans tonight, Mary. Aldo, first of all, I do have plans. I was just about to sit down to eat. Sister doing it for herself. Mm-hmm. Second, I told you I'm not interested in pursuing a personal relationship with you. Did you? Did you tell him that, Mary? I, I mean, think, think about it. Did you? <laughs> you don't have to do any pursuing. I'll do all the work. Um. Mm, uh, yeah. Mm. Well, what do you? Maybe, yeah. maybe we should hope that Mary's phone does have the speed dial for emergency services, because she might be needing it. Just, in fact, she definitely should dial 9-1 and hold her finger over the wall. <laughs> just hover there for a second, yeah. just in case. Uh, it brings us to August 10th. And uh, this may or may not be the same phone conversation, although Aldo is no longer in his bow-tied <laughs> button-up. Now he's wearing a more casual, unbuttoned polo shirt. You think he asked Mary to hold on while he slipped into something more comfortable? You know, I'd like to, I'd like to think so, and I'd like to also think that Mary agreed just so she wouldn't seem impolite. Oh, I suppose so. Uh... <laughs> Come now, Mary. Ew. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> isn't it lonely eating by yourself? Oh, okay. Not at all. I have a good book I plan to read. It can't be as good as my flesh and blood company. What book are you reading? My flesh and blood company. I mean, that's like literally something Dracula would say. Uh, you know, uh, come on. Uh, is he is he talking about his relative Hal? Is that the company he means? Yeah, it's the, the flesh and on. blood. I don't know. <laughs> if you must know, it's the classic Far from the Madding Crowd. Uh, the correct answer to that, Mary, is none your business. Yeah, or maybe just a dial tone. Right? Yeah. Maybe ripping the phone off the wall could work. <laughs> Some mixed messages going on here. Mm-hmm. Now, by the way, Far From the Madding Crowd has something to do with a relationship between a woman and her lonely neighbor. Somehow, I feel like this point might be lost on our Mr. Kelrast. Yeah, I don't think he's picking up what she's putting down, no. to be honest with you. He might, not add Wikipedia happy. he might not add Wikipedia handy like I did. <laughs> just, just not as you know, well-read, I guess. Uh, on August 11th, Mary drops the hammer. Aldo, I am spoken for. Jeff may be away, but he's always in my heart. Then Aldo thinks to himself, and you're breaking mine. On the next day, uh, 8-12, things get even creepier. Aldo, how did you get my number anyway? Finally, we find out, and he says, Mm. you may play hard to get, but you are not hard to find. I have my ways. Yeah. <laughs> August 13, 2006, my birthday, by the way. I think yeah. that was my 31st birthday or something like that. Uh, this Mary, was a gift. That's right. This was the gift that kept giving. <laughs> Mary finally hangs up the phone. Great. Only about a week too late. God, that phone bill is going to be through the roof. <laughs> uh, she worries a bit about how Aldo got her number, but decides to set aside her troubles while she enjoys her book and tuna casserole which must be stone cold by this point and probably a little dried out. Mm. Uh, oh, she also describes Aldo as 
Aldo Kelrest's quickly becoming an unwanted suitor extraordinaire. An unwanted suitor extraordinaire. Is it any wonder that Aldo can't get enough of this woman? Really? I mean, good. Just, she is just, yes. it's like liquid. It's like honey pouring out of her mouth. <laughs> Uh, on August 14th to August 16th, 2006, Mary's working at the hospital and missing Dr. Jeff's something fierce. Uh, and that's it. On August 17th, 2006, <laughs> Mary drives back home only to find... Oh, no! Aldo! Let me tell you, this made me laugh more than I thought it would. I was just like, really? Like, <laughs> this is it. This is today's script. Anyway, uh... Just, oh, no, Aldo. Yeah. <laughs> Now, on the 18th of August, Aldo has once again confronted Mary in front of the condos. He's now wearing a more stylish, striped maroon polo. I refuse to believe that you prefer to be alone, Mary. I know you want to be with me, too. Aldo, I... No, don't say another word. Here it comes. Your words may say no, but your eyes say yes. Now, as creepy and as wrong as that all is, uh, gotta give Aldo a little bit of a little bit of do here because her eyes don't exactly look to be saying no. Uh, they actually sort of kind of look like she's considering it. I mean, I, I gotta tell you, for newspaper, you know, the the art in a newspaper strip, which is always reduced down to practically you know postage stamp size, mm. the, the her face is pretty expressive. I was it pretty, is. I was pretty impressed with that. Like you can actually see. Her feelings in her eyes, although it doesn't always match up with how you think she should be reacting. Yeah, so. she actually looks like she's like, hmm. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Uh, Mary, Mary Worth, so scared to offend anyone that she even looks at her stalker with kindness. That's how she is. Yeah, and, but we got to remind you, though, Aldo is looking very stylish in his new polo. That's true. That probably had Can't a lot. Can't blame her. Yeah. August 19th, the conversation continues, but now it looks as though Mary and Aldo are at the park, which is weird. Uh, <laughs> but it tells us that they've been walking together for a little bit. Mary has really hasn't threatened to call the police yet. Right? Your pursuit of me is futile. This can't be fun for you. Pursuit of me. Hmm. Hashtag humblebrag. Yeah, give me a break. Come on. Au contraire, Mary. <laughs> <laughs> Now, Aldo, now deadly serious, gets right in Mary's face. His eyes become black as coal. The chase is the best part of my of any relationship. I'm getting closer to your heart. So, if this is as good as it gets, wouldn't becoming an item just ruin everything? Yeah, for all we know, Mary's just playing into his fetish by at this point. <laughs> she, she is very polite. Uh, now, it's a... It's, August 20th, and it's a Sunday, and Mary is fixing to snap. Caption reads, After finding Aldo waiting for her when she returns from the hospital, Mary loses her temper. I mean it! I'm not interested! Capiche? Capiche? I mean, (laughs) what, are you kidding me? Mary's breaking out the Sophia Petrillo over here? (laughs) She might be about to break a few knees as well. Exactly. Really, now? Uh, Mary is steaming mad and just keeps on going. What part of not interested do you not understand? I don't appreciate your unexpected phone calls and appearances. It's not going to happen, Aldo. Please stop your advances toward me. And Mary catches her breath and realizes that she's made quite a scene in public. And then, get this, uh, she puts her hand on Aldo's chest. She what? Yeah, yeah. What what, what are you doing? (laughs) And it gets better. She says, okay, 
I'm sorry I screamed at you, but I want to be clear. Should you ever apologize to your stalker? Good question. No, and here is why. What's clear is you're resisting my advances, Mary. Because of fear, I want to show you there's nothing to be afraid of. And Mary looks like she's ready to give up now. So it actually did work. That was good. It's working. (laughs) (laughs) On August 21st, 21st even, this conversation must continue. Mary, I heard about those rumors surrounding my late wife's death. (laughs) Here Mary gives Aldo a little talk to the hand. Wow, that's a lot of sass. Mm -hmm. And And she says, uh, I heard those rumors too, but I gave them little credence. Why? I made them up myself. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Aldo tilts his head back and closes his eyes, kind of like he's pantomiming, finally going to the bathroom after holding it for a long time. Well, let, let's just, let's hope he's just pantomiming. I, this is like a senior community, right? Like, it's very, <laughs> very possible. It's true. What, well, what people are whispering is true. Yes, and Mary responds with a question mark and exclamation point, which we're going to think is, uh, <laughs> Boy! <laughs> Uh, worth noting, Mary is sort of smirking in this panel. I'm not sure if this is a hiccup in the art or if she's really pleased to learn that Aldo might have actually killed his wife. We all have our fetishes. Sure. Uh, now, <laughs> August 22nd to 23rd, the truth finally comes out. It was my inattention, you see. Elise slipped getting out of the bathtub, broke her neck. At this point, Mary literally clutches at imaginary pearls That's around true. her. That's true. She puts her hand right up there, yeah. <laughs> Uh, We had an argument earlier that evening, and I turned to the bottle. I was out cold. I couldn't help her. In fairness, though, Aldo looks completely useless in the best of times. It's doubtful he'd have done her any good if he was stone-cold sober. It's true. I was giving myself a haircut with the salad bowl, and (laughs) I did not hear. Don't be afraid. If you give us a go, I won't ever be inattentive with you. Yeah, we will take all our baths together. <laughs> yeah, that's what you want. <laughs> no, Aldo, you won't, because we'll never have a relationship. Goodbye. Oh, snap. She dissed. Mm-hmm. Uh, August 24th to August 26th, it's tea time with Toby, and Mary's quite frazzled. He's not listening when I tell him to cease and desist. Cease and desist, huh? That kind of legal jargon, we might question why she hasn't yet filed a complaint with, you know, local law enforcement, for example. Mm, They might take that seriously. Uh, August 27th, Mary and Toby's tea party has come to a close. And they're washing dishes and indulging in some more gossip about the neighbor they both claim to want nothing to do with. So, what else did our persistent neighbor say? Anything about his past? You know, the first time reading through this before doing some background, I was like, our neighbor? I, I didn't know Toby lived here, too. I thought this was like an active senior community. I would think it is, but okay. <laughs> I thought it was like Shady Pines or something. <laughs> Aldo Kelras said his wife slipped and had a fatal fall in the tub while he was intoxicated. He regrets he couldn't help her. Aldo Kelras said. I mean, she uses both names here. How, oh. how formal do we need to be? Not Aldo Smith, all right. That's interesting. (laughs) The one in 3B? Yeah. (laughs) So he says, Mary. Oh, no, she didn't. You don't believe him, Toby? I mean, who wouldn't want people thinking that they're a negligent drunk who allowed their spouse to die wet and alone on the bathroom floor? You know, (laughs) anyone can make the same mistake. 
<laughs> I'm not sure, but one thing is clear. Aldo Kelra's pursuit on you has to stop. And Toby's got an idea. Well, maybe more of a plan. It may be more than an idea. It may be a plan. Just like we said. That's right. Now, uh, we got two days in August, August 28th, 29th. That's more Mary just working at the hospital. Boring. Mm-hmm. But on 830, uh, you'll never guess who's waiting for Mary upon her return from work. <sighs> Here we go. So, okay, so pop quiz time. Uh, you arrive home to see your stalker sitting on a bench. Do you A, rush inside, or B, approach and greet him? Aldo, we meet again. <sighs> Never learn. It's the same conversation. Note, Aldo's still rocking the maroon, but this polo has a few stripes about halfway down. I'm not playing hard to get. Isn't that exactly what someone who is playing hard to get would say? Maybe. I think you are, Mary, and I don't like it. Ruh-roh. Mary now gets, get this, invites Aldo inside of her home. Mm. Aldo, calm down. Come inside. Why don't we talk this through? That's more like it. I knew you would come to your senses. Now we begin September. On the first and second, Aldo and Mary are in the hallway, right outside Mary's condo, and Aldo has a very pleased look on his face. Mary fiddles in her purse looking for her keys. And yeah, that's not a euphemism. Never mind. Never mind, yeah. I knew you'd invite me in sooner or later, Mary. Did you now? Yes. Tonight my pursuit of you finally bears fruit. I will not be denied. Okay, there's so much wrong with this line. I mean, first we got more of this pursuit of you stuff. Really? Come on. And then bears fruit. Is that, is that what we're calling it? Bearing the fruit. <laughs> and finally, I mean, I will not be denied. This Come is like on. something a supervillain would say, you know what I mean? You're He's about to push a me, button Batman. to blow up Santa Royale. Exactly. <laughs> this takes us right into September 3rd. Mary and Aldo have still not managed to breach the threshold. They're still in the hallway. So it seems like Aldo might be denied after all. Uh, amid Aldo's excitement, Mary makes it clear that she just wants to talk. You know, like... Only talk. So no knocking support boots here. <laughs> we'll talk, all right. We'll have a we'll have all night to talk, and I will make sure the conversation is to your liking. Yikes! Mary is also quite grossed out at the notion of seeing the full Aldo. Mm. Aldo, I've told you countless times how your persistent behavior makes me feel, but I think this time will be different. I think so, too, Mary. Mary swings open the door to her pad, and Aldo does not like what he sees. What? Mary, how could you? And how could she what? Well, let's not dilly-dally. Let's hop into the 4th of September. Aldo enters Mary's apartment, only to learn that this won't be a one-on-one conversation with his would-be lady love. Ooh, kinky. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Mary and Aldo are joined by neighbors Toby, Wilbur, and a doctor named Ian, who, as we mentioned, is wearing one wicked chin beard. What? What's this? Who are you? Mr. Calvest. Dr. Ian says, We're Mary's friends. This intervention's been arranged on her behalf. Uh-oh. Mm-hmm. September 5th features some tough love, Mary Worth style. Intervention? I don't need this. I'm out of here. Sit down, Mr. Kelrest. No, 
I won't. On uh, September 6th and September 7th, the accusers introduced themselves and they laid down the law. Well, not really. If they actually did get the law involved, this would have probably ended a lot neater and probably quicker. Also, Yeah, most likely. Wilbur uh, goes, oh. Wilbur goes, uh, this is Ian and Toby Cameron and I'm Wilbur Weston. And uh, we probably should have mentioned this earlier, but like every single line of dialogue in this entire strip that isn't a question ends with an exclamation point. Even Very just this exciting. introduction. Yeah, it's wildly exciting. Very exciting stuff. <laughs> uh, also, thanks for showing up, Wilbur. You're an invaluable asset. That's great. Yeah. He's as good as the wall. Uh, Ian goes, uh, we're here to convince you that the lady doth not protest too much. Oh, God, I hate this dude already. Although he is speaking correctly for the uh, area. (laughs) On uh, September 8th to September 9th, Toby is giving Aldo the business just right in his face while he just weeps into his pudgy hands. Toby says, Mary was even thinking of changing her hospital schedule to avoid you when she returned home. If only there were like this organized force of men and women whose primary job was to, I don't know, police the public and maybe make sure things like this didn't escalate. If only that were true. Hmm. Why didn't you heed her refusals when she told you she's not interested in having a relationship with you? (laughs) Heed her refusals. What what is this, like ancient Rome? What's going on? (laughs) It's like a court of law. Because the heart believes what it wants. And I thought Mary would eventually see it my way. Well, the fact that she still stops to chat with him in the hallways at every opportunity might lend a little bit of credence to that, right? Yeah, I think he might have had a point in this case, but all <laughs> right. True. Uh, September 10th, the intervention hits the Sunday strip and Aldo gets even more defensive. Was this your idea, Mary? No, not initially, but I agreed to it because I was at my wit's end. I bet you believe those rumors about me, too. Wait for it. Ah, Mary. Et tu, Brute? Oh, God. Good Lord. They really did it. They really (laughs) did it. They did it. Oof. Uh, September 11th through the 12th. Uh, Aldo's had enough embarrassment for the day and decides it's time to end this sham of an intervention. Yeah, well, kind of having his hands up and doing jazz hands with him, Mm -hmm. he says, You made your point quite clear. I'm leaving. I am not wanted here. And he says, I won't bother you anymore, Mary. Everyone else goes, you'd better not. And Aldo heads for the door. I'll see myself out. Aldo, wait. Are you kidding me? Come on, you're getting, this is, come on. This is what she wanted, right? Yeah. Oh. I guess the heart really does believe what it wants, <laughs> right. whatever the hell that means. Uh, September 13th, Mary pursues Aldo right out the door. Aldo, I want to talk to you. Goodbye, Maryworth. Toby holds Mary back so she can't follow. So, yeah, have we said mixed messages enough? I mean, right? at, at the intervention, she's like, anyway. Oh, boy. On uh, September 14th to the 16th, the busybodies stand around wondering if they were too hard on poor Aldo. Meanwhile, the man himself hops into his car for a ride. The next day, while the busybodies pat themselves on the back, Aldo arrives at and enters a liquor store. Yes. Ian is doing the narration here, and he says, If that miscreant bothers you again, don't hesitate to call on us. I have a feeling, though, that he won't trouble you anymore. Guess what? 
the busy the next day on July on sorry uh, September eighteenth. The busybodies are basking in the glow of her their intervention. Meanwhile, Aldo re-enters his car, which is now a darker shade of blue than it was when he left it. Right. Um, oh, he's also carrying a bottle in a brown bag that might be important in a minute. Yeah, Tony uh, Toby provides some uh, narration over the scene and says, So, all's well that ends well. Yeah, about that, um, we jump into a series of strips from September 19th to September 21st, 2006, wherein Aldo is behind the wheel, bottle in hand. Our caption reads, Aldo Kelrast intends to drown his sorrow. He says, here's to you, my old friend Johnny. He's probably referring to Johnny Walker Scotch Whiskey, but we wouldn't swear to it. I mean, you might be talking to an, an invisible friend. I'm it not could really be. Sure. <laughs> and uh, our, man, our man takes a big old swig and says, After another disappointment, we come together again. It's just you and me. Aldo starts the car. I need to get away from here. Anywhere will do. Far away from women and from naysayers. I need to forget about all of them. Yeah, those naysayers are up. Mm. <laughs> yes. <And> now, <laughs> Aldo is now on the road and still drinking heavily. This is more like it. No one around to tell me what I do want is what I do or want is wrong. That I'm out of my league with someone like Mary Worth. It all comes to a head on September twenty second, two thousand six. We join Aldo one hour into his drive. Oh no. Oh, no, indeed. Aldo, brown bottle in hand, has just driven off a cliff. Like, literally. Oh, my goodness. He drove his car off a cliff. Now, is, is it apropos that he and Terry Long suffered the same fate? Only in your mind, Grace. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> only applies to you. Yeah. It could be. It could be. The next day, September 23rd, 2006, Toby is brushing her hair and waxing philosophical while Dr. Ian looks over some papers in bed. So... I mean, is Dr. Ian, like, her father or something? She looks to be half his age. Right? It's The, the worth of verse is just weird, I think. It's, Very it's, strange. I don't it, This looks it. like a daughter talking to, his, to a father. It's so weird. Yeah. I saw something interesting on a bumper sticker earlier today, Ian. Okay, here's a, here's a pro tip here. If anyone starts a conversation with you using that line, disengage immediately because nothing interesting will come of it. But it said coexisted and had all the different symbols. Right, uh, <laughs> are you saying a discussion predicated on witty bumper stickers will fair, fail to bear fruit? In, in worth speak, <laughs> yes, that's it, exactly uh, it. Yes. <laughs> Ian realizes he's getting into a vapid and dumb conversation, but humors his uh, his wife, daughter, niece, <laughs> whatever, whatever she is anyway. Probably another feeble attempt at ingenuity for the masses. What did it say, Toby? And our next panel shows the Aldo-mobile crashed and wrecked at the foot of the cliff. And the to- Toby in a caption says, Man's inner life's a mystery, and if drinking's involved, the outer life is history. That's a lot of words for a bumper sticker. Yeah, it must have been like a 12-point font or something. Or maybe it wrapped around the, like, the edge of the car, too. <laughs> it, I don't know. it really makes you wonder just how close Toby follows in traffic. If she's reading all that, I mean... You know, <laughs> If you, can, if you can read this pithy bumper sticker, you're too close. You're way too close. So we jump to the next day, September 24th. Uh, Mary and Toby have met in Mary's kitchen for their morning waters when their own chat is interrupted <laughs> by the ringing of Mary's phone. Excuse me, Toby. 
She answers the phone at precisely at 1010. Uh, not sure if this is important, but our creative team really wanted to make sure the clock was in this shot. Very strange. Yes, this is Maryworth. How can I help you? Um, yes, officer. He was in my apartment last night. Did, did I see him drive away? No. What? Oh, no. No. Yes, you can come over to discuss it further. I'll see you soon. Mary hangs up and is still in a state of shock. Mary, what happened? There's been an accident. It's Aldo. He's... He's... And Mary falls into Toby's arms. Oh, Toby! The next day, September 25th, the conversation continues, and our worst fears are confirmed. Toby, Aldo's dead. It was in a car accident last night. Is that really our worst fears? Is that... <laughs> I'm just, I mean... <laughs> I'm not glad about it, but uh, Toby says, Last night? How awful. And right after our intervention. So is Toby worried that their intervention drove a man to his death, or is she just really bummed out that she wasted a whole bunch of time the last night? Eh, both things sort of apply, you know. <laughs> now, September 26, 2006. Mary chats up the police. About time. I mean, God. I have this stalker, but he's dead. Uh, <laughs> Case closed. I, I want him arrested. <laughs> Lock him up. Uh, now, on September 27th, Mary sits surrounded by Ian, Toby, and Wilbur. I can't believe he's dead. And uh, it's kind of our fault. <laughs> you heard what the police officer said, Toby? What? That at the first sign of a stalker, you should have called them, maybe? Maybe. <laughs> Drinking and driving led to this tragedy. Oh, yeah, right. Uh, sure. But our intervention push was that pushing Aldo to drink? Well, I don't want to say yes, but uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> probably was exactly that. <laughs> that was the antecedent here, Toby. Yeah. Um, now we jump to a series from uh, September 28th to through September 30th, in which Toby has a number of crises of conscience. I feel that we may have indirectly been responsible. Yeah, indirectly. Maybe his unrequited love for Mary was that all he had going for him. I can't help it. The guilt is overwhelming. The intervention was my idea, after all. All right, Toby, cool it. You've gone from sympathizing for a dead guy to making this entire thing about you. Let's just let's just move on. <laughs> you know, I'm so sad. It all <laughs> happened to me. Hashtag save Aldo. <laughs> <laughs> on October the 1st, uh, Mary serves her guests tall glasses of ice water. Even brings it out on a platter. Ever the entertainer. I mean, this is why she's totally out of Aldo's league. It's, it's true. You gotta be pretty good. <laughs> They're still t t talking Toby off the ledge. He kept pursuing me until we all spoke to him. And then he finally got the message. But Aldo couldn't handle the truth. That's very, very deep. Yeah, we, we also might need a citation on this getting the message bit. Uh, for all we know, had he not driven off a cliff that night... He might have returned to set the entire apartment complex on fire. You just don't know. Also, let's talk about that message and how it might have been a little mixed at times. I'm just, <laughs> the just saying. Time. No, I'm just, just saying that. It, up to the very last second, you know. But anyway, on October 2nd to October 5th, the conversation continues. It must. Uh, Mary says, I doubt Kelrest was dangerous. He was misguided, but dangerous only to himself. 
Boom. Mary with the truth bomb right there. You know, if we uh, do disregard all the threats that Aldo made in Mary's direction throughout his time in Santa Royale. Sure, like, that's true. If you want anybody. want to concentrate on that, it's different, <laughs> sure. We were in our rights to confront Aldo, weren't we? Yes, Toby, we were simply pointing out the truth that Mary did not want a relationship with him. Tragically, he just couldn't handle the truth. It wasn't something we could correct in just one evening. Might be splitting hairs, but it kind of looks to us like the situation did get corrected in just one evening. Like right? Toby said, all's well that is well, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and that is a tidy way to finish that up. Uh, October 6th, uh, there's more of this stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask Aldo's relative, Hal Kane, if I can attend any services planned for him. We've already heard that Aldo was Hal's cousin. Can we just say cousin? Is it allowed? Come on now. <laughs> when you do, Mary, include me too. As if Mary being there wouldn't be awkward enough on its own. Now the whole shame society wants to show up like, we we were the last people to see your cousin and probably uh, caused his death. You know, yes. that's all. <laughs> we facilitated his uh, yeah. driving off a cliff. Now, on October 7th, Mary meets with Aldo Kelrast's relative, Hal Kane, to inquire about attending services. She doesn't tell him about Aldo's odd advances toward her, though. Always polite, yet another reason why Mary Worth was out of Aldo's league. Yeah, that's true. On October 8th uh, of the same year, it's funeral day, and the gang's all here. Well, they're actually in Mary's apartment waiting for her to finish getting dressed. How strange it feels to attend a service for a man I wanted nothing to do with only last week. It feels bizarre for all of us, Mary. Uh, Ian, uh, was Aldo Kelras stalking you? I mean, for, for I think you only met the guy one time, really. Yeah, yeah, give me a break. Yeah, was Aldo Kelras sending you unwanted but treasured roses? Was Aldo Kelras calling you at all hours? Mm. No? Okay, then you can shut it. Okay. I'll feel better after I pay my last respects to Aldo Kelrast. Well, bully for you, Chinstrap. We're all worried about you feeling better <laughs> around here. Me too. I need to do this. I think we all do. Man, you know, Mary's firsthand experience with Aldo is really getting downplayed here. It's a way to usurp her personal tragedy there, you guys. <laughs> Seriously, it's all about us now. Yeah. Wilbur says... This will put some closure on our feelings about Aldo and the and the intervention. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for coming, Wilbur. You're sure I'll see you later. Thanks, guys. <laughs> see ya. Now Mary thinks to herself, And for me, closure regarding my dealings with him ever since he first approached me. I'll always wonder, if I had handled Aldo differently, could his death have been prevented? Uh, yes, probably. Like, you could have called the police. You could have filed a restraining order. Really, you and your pals chose the most backwards way of doing things. Totally. I mean, your intervention caused a man to drink. <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, literally, that's the backwards of how it's supposed to go. <laughs> On October 9th, 2006, uh, they, they arrive at the cemetery. And upon arrival, Mary and Toby are haunted by their thoughts. Yeah, Toby thinks to herself... How do I gain closure on a death I might have caused? And Mary thinks, How do I gain closure on a death I might have prevented? The next day, October 10th, it's 10-10. <gasps> like that clock in Mary's kitchen. 
Oh! Ah, boom! Talk about <laughs> truth bombs. Uh, it's Aldo's funeral, and Ian says a few pithy words. That's what he does. The next day, on the 11th, Mary chats up Hal Kane, Aldo's relative, if you recall. Mm. <laughs> Mr. Kane, do you... You have our steepest sympathies on the loss of your cousin. Cousin? She said cousin. She said it. Thank goodness. <laughs> and Hal says, Thank you, Miss Swart. Thank you for all you... Thank you all for coming. This won't take long. Brief words for a man who most of us knew briefly. By the way, I'm the fourth cousin. That's why... <laughs> To which Ian whispers, if only Mary could have been so lucky. Just can't help yourself, can you? It's got to be all about this stupid incident. All right. On uh, October 12th, uh, more funeral fun. Hal Kane opens up the floor for anyone to share their remembrances. So, uh, anyone? (laughs) Anyone at all? Yeah, and nobody steps up. Yep, and it even goes into the next day. Good October thirteenth, Hal Kane gives the you know going once, going twice routine a try, hoping that someone, anyone, might have something nice to say about his dead relative. Mary, it looks like she might be about to, but decides that some things are better left unsaid because you really think Mary would have stood up and said he was a creepy stalker, and I'm yeah. glad he's dead. But... He stalked me, but I loved him. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the, the next day on October 14th, the busybodies head for their car. Toby says, I don't feel any closure yet, Ian. Jesus, Toby, it's not like taking a Tums. You actually have to let time pass. Is right? that allowed? I mean, goodness, the younger generation really has no patience. <laughs> None. 10.15 to 10.16, still at the funeral, Mary buys a dozen roses from a vendor and heads toward Aldo's gravesite. She thinks, death is clear-cut. It's life that isn't. She lays some roses on Aldo's grave, leading him on even in death. (laughs) She turns to Toby and says, You see, Toby, Aldo gave me flowers, and it was my turn. Oh, yeah, that's really interesting, Mary. (laughs) Man, I bet out there in listener land there ain't a dry eye in the house. No, this is very sad. It's a sad moment for everybody. (laughs) On uh, October 17th, 2006... Everything wraps up. Toby and Mary head out on their morning walk, wearing some very fashionable jogging suits, if it were 1979. It's like something you'd see on Three's Company. That's exactly what I was thinking. Oh, crazy. (laughs) I know what you're thinking of, Mary. Probably the same thing I am. You're thinking of Aldo Kelrast, aren't you? No, Toby. I was thinking of someone very different. Dr. Jeff Corey. Wow. Aldo's body ain't even cold yet. Yikes. You just move oh. right on. Oh, well, Mary sure is. Yay, zing. There you go. And that is the saga of Aldo Kelrest. That's unbelievable. You know, if you mix his name around, it's Lakest. <laughs> Did you notice that? that Lakes. Holy cow. That yeah, ruins everything. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> There is fallout from this storyline. and I, I gotta say, this is almost more amazing than anything else that this was reported. But anyway, we'll, we'll get yes. into it. This comes from CNN. <laughs> CNN's Eye on Entertainment, posted at 11.43 p.m. Eastern on October 19th, 2006 by Todd Leopold. A story called Death of a Man Nobody Knew. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Again, this is, this is CNN. CNN, that's right. And it reads, Aldo Kelrast is dead, and attention must be paid. 
He wasn't anything special, this Kelrest fellow. Yes, his last name was an anagram of Stalker. <laughs> yes, he looked like Captain Kangaroo. Yes, he could be annoying and socially awkward, but did he have to die? What? You've never heard of Aldo Kelrest? Well, of course you haven't. Kelrest was the odd duck who wandered into the otter world of the comic strip Mary Worth a strip that was anachronistic 40 years ago and that nobody except me and a few other demented comics completionists, it's funnier than Kathy, Curtis, and Dennis the Menace combined, which isn't saying much. He puts the moves on Mary, who mysteriously has gotten younger over the years, was rejected, and then received an intervention from the busybodies who populate the strip. Then, in a twist nobody saw coming, he, spoiler warning, got blitzed on booze and drove his car off a cliff. The roads around Maryworth's hometown of Santa Royale conveniently lack guardrails. Why, even Alfred Hitchcock would be jealous. Maryworth being Maryworth is excruci the excruciating Kelras de Denouement, a funeral gathering, explained nothing. And the busybodies have since moved on to their next plot. It's as if Kelras never existed. It's true. Yeah. Just that one, that one strip, it's like... Oh, moving on to Jeff. Almost like he was a device, right? More than a person, something like that. Uh, something about his name also seemed to have no staying power as far as I'm concerned. It's true. It's Aldo Kelrast. And if you do his first name, you get Old. Yes. About that. <laughs> old Stalker. Just like a old man Crafty. Here but, you uh... go. <laughs> all, the, all those names, they just reveal everything. Uh, so now tackling current events in comics and comic strips goes back to their very inception. Indeed, one might say they were created for this very purpose. Yes. One of the earliest examples of this was printer William Hogarth's emblematical print on the South Sea scheme. Now that came out around 1721. It poked fun at early British politics and its corruption. This was first published by Hogarth himself, and it was subsequently and illegally circulated widely until the beginning of the 19th century. American cartoonist Thomas Nast, who strips in Harper's Weekly during the 1800s, widely ridiculed the democratic political machine run by Boss Tweed out of Tammany Hall in New York City. Likening Tweed to a tiger was understood by the less literate readers of the magazine, and yes, they would still buy the magazine for the pictures. Mm -hmm. And he also invented the modern Santa Claus based on images of Sinterklaas from his native Germany and the symbols for the Democratic and Republican parties, the donkey and the elephant, respectively. Even non-editorial strips dealt with current events from the outset. R.F. Alcoltz's uh, The Yellow Kid, considered by many to be the first comic strip, and was doubtlessly the first American one, depicted the multicultural squalor of New York's Lower East Side, and the titular Yellow Kid's rhetoric routinely commented on topics of the day, mostly surrounding New York City, but also throughout America. Moving uh, deeply into the modern era, Charles Schultz's Peanuts comic strip addressed the civil rights movement when the strip debuted its first African-American character, Franklin, on July 31st, 1968. came about because a Los Angeles school teacher named Harriet Glickman wrote to Schultz on urging uh, him to introduce a black character into Peanuts, which led to a, to a long correspondence between the two. In an interview in 1997, Schultz discussed receiving a letter from a Southern editor who said something about, I don't mind you having a black character, but please don't show them in, in school together. And Schultz said, I didn't even answer him. Wow. And 
Harriet Glickman just sounds like a like a name. It sounds you know? like a name out of Mary Worth, I'll like tell you know. what. <laughs> now, a few comic strips have blurred the line between editorial commentary and sheer jokes and gags more than Gary Trudeau's Doonesbury, and that debuted on October 26, 1970. Doonesbury takes place in the real world, and current events routinely impact or entirely inform the stories. The strip would take a 22-month hiatus from 1983 and 1984, and it would return. And when it returned, it ran in real time, which is to say, all the characters aged and did things like got married, changed jobs, had children. Uh, Gary Trudeau is not, however, a caricaturist, and he uses symbolic items as shorthand to represent famous people. For instance, he depicted Bill Clinton as a waffle, or former Vice President Dan Quayle as a feather. Yeah, and I think that goes on and on even to today. Actually, no, I think he does try a version of our current president, but it's still not that great, I gotta say. <laughs> the art is not. <laughs> and right now, in Tom Batyuk's Funky Winkerbean comic strip, there is a character dealing with a sports-related concussions a topic that barely received attention until about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And this storyline will result in a major character's untimely death later this year. So Funky unlike the usually, whole thing onto its onto itself. That's right. Well we, you know usually we talk about comics published in the yesteryear, but now we're talking about a comic published in the tomorrow year or yes. the tomorrow <laughs> weeks or something. <laughs> so uh, yeah that's pretty interesting stuff. Uh, that has that is the first uh, set of Mary Worth strips I've ever read. I think uh, it's the first a lot of people have read. I think so. <laughs> uh, definitely, definitely much more entertaining than I than I had assumed it would be, but not probably not for the reasons that they'd like. But maybe they're fine with the uh, the poking fun at it. Uh, but definitely was interesting. If you have any other uh, comic strips you want to talk about that dealt with current events, or you want to talk about your favorite Mary Worth, your own personal stalkers, or anything else that's on your mind, you can write to us at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can find us on Instagram at Cosmic T-Mill, also on Twitter at Cosmic T-Mill. You can find me on Twitter at Reggie Reggie. I'm at Ace Comics. And also, you got to go check Chris's personal site. Chris is on InfiniteEarth.com that he updates every day. Uh, it's a different DC comic every day, but currently, and for the last many months, you've been dealing mm-hmm. with Action Comics Weekly, which uh, it's it's a great resource. You got to check it out if you never read the comics. This is the way to, to really dive into them. And if you read them before, this will refresh your memory about why you don't want to dive back into them. <laughs> That's a true statement. <laughs> uh, now, while you're surfing the web, you can check out our site at chrisandreggie.com. We'll be able to find all of our show notes, our images, and a chronological listing of all the programs on the Chris and Reggie channel, network, whatever it is. Yeah, if you want to listen to our older shows in some kind of order or semblance of sense, that's the only place to do it, chrisandreggie.com. Yes. But as far as this week, I think that's all we got for him. You got anything else for him, Chris? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> until next week, folks, I want you to keep it on the treadmill creepily. I'm going to go take a shower. Watching me.